0: You're listening to the TV Obsessive
1: Channel, presented by TVObsessive.com. Hello, welcome back to the TV Obsessive Podcast, Episode 10. Uh, My name is Ryan Kirksey, writer and contributor to TVObsessive.com. And as always, joined by Cameron Crane, Executive Editor. How are you today, Cameron? And have you ever been to French Lick, Indiana?
0: I'm pretty good. Uh I, I don't I have not been to French Lick itself. I I don't believe. I have spent some time in Indiana. Have you ever been to Indiana?
1: I've been to Indianapolis once on a work trip, a couple days in and out, but never to this remote uh, I guess sort of southwest corner where French Lick is.
0: Yeah. Um I, I haven't really either. So the sort of the southeast around Bloomington. Um I did go for a visit at one point, um, you know, sort of outside of Bloomington, a little bit more rural. Um, so you know, some vague familiarity. I also driven the length of the state, and it's like it's Bad. very it's very flat for the most part. For the most part, <laughs> and there's a whole lot of cornfields and and soybean fields, um, and uh, and all of that. Uh, I, people probably have a sense of uh, of uh, Indiana. Um, but yeah, so we're going to talk about Winning Time once again, uh, and in uh, this week's episode, we do get a bit with Larry Bird, which is why we're talking about French Lake Indiana. Um, first, as yeah. usual, we're going to you know, hit on some news such as there is, uh, maybe kind of a little bit of a light week for us, uh, talk a little bit about what we're watching, and then um, we'll dig into Season 2, Episode 3 of, of Winning Time, the latter half of the pod.
1: Yeah, the, as you said, light, uh, relatively light week. Not much news coming out in terms of the strikes. Not much um, as results coming out in terms of new th- things or new announcements. Um, so a little bit light on the on the news front. Um, we spent some time the past couple of weeks talking about talking about football, and I just was noticing sort of some of the ESPN things that have been happening lately. Um, they're very much, it seems like, going with this sort of stars and scrubs approach, or they've laid off sort of this really, um I would say, integral or sort of middle class of people that were, that are sort of on-screen talent for them. And they've sort of gone with this few people, you know, your Adam Schefters and your Scott Van Peltz and your Adrian Wojnowski's and then a bunch of people you've never heard of. And so now Scott Van Peltz going to be on the Monday Night Football crew, in addition to all the other duties that he he has Susie Colbert was laid off along with a whole swath of people over the past few months. So he's gonna take on extra um extra duties. But I don't mind that. I like Scott Van Pelt and I think that's a good a good production that they they have. So just just interesting. They are getting rid of a lot of talent these days.
0: Yeah, I think we hit on this before um weeks ago they laid off a huge number of people. I'd have to get the list again. But I mean, like some very recognizable names and bases um i don't know i have i I have a number of thoughts about what espn is doing i don't know (laughs) how much of a tangent we want to to go on but i mean i think you're right but what it's also been striking to me um because i guess i had not been watching espn much in recent years and then this year i am and um it really seems like there's been a dip in the production quality yeah and it's interesting or like I don't know. I don't know how hard I want to be on them, but kind of part of me wants to be hard on them, but maybe yeah. that's not fair. Like, I was watching Pardon the Interruption a few weeks ago, and Tony Kornheiser was like, I have to use my phone. My internet's out, because, like, they're doing it remotely now. And on <laughs> the one hand, I was kind of like, okay, but on the other I was like, are you supposed to be professionals? Like, yeah. this was just, the, the. I don't know, man. Um, or the worst thing was they had a they some kind of a remote interview with joe burrow and uh the audio was just awful yeah but it just seemed like they were like well i guess that's what he's got going on you know it, it it's a it's a weird thing that i think that we transitioned into with the um you know probably started in 2020 right We start doing things remotely and then the extent to which they're like well, well we can do this we don't actually have to get all of the people in the studio. um yeah. we, can, we can have people zoom in or, or what have you. And potentially that's fine. And for the most part, you know, it looks okay and people got good microphones, but then every once in a while it creeps in like they don't and they just roll with it. And I, I don't yeah. know. Like,
1: yeah, the, they're 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 a product of their own success. You know, they got so big before streaming that you know they're they're Reporters and their on-screen, uh, you know, the, the the conveyors of the news became such personalities that these these own, these people became celebrities, and so they had to, you know, spend so much not only on them but on the the leagues that they're trying to showcase on their channel. So it's it, it's a product of their own success, and then cord cutting has has obviously hurt their their business. So yeah. yeah, they they I agree they they they've suffered in in, in recent years. It's just striking
0: mm-hmm. to me, I guess, because I watch some of the stuff that seems more produced for um or the internet. Yeah. Um, yeah. And many times the production quality kind of seems higher. And it's yeah. just a bizarre world to me. It's it, yeah. it, it, in some way <laughs> that, that, that that feels like it's the case.
1: Well, um, well on on the opposite on the opposite end of the spectrum, um I guess there's a segue here um for someone that that used to work for ESPN by the name of Bill Simmons now owns a website and podcast network called the the ringer. I, I, this is not news, but I found this really interesting piece this week that was on the, the ringer about what it would be like if HGTV came to your street and turned one of the houses and your you know in your little Cul-de-sac into the uh the neon pink Barbie dream house, That's and so Barbie this was a really interesting set. look at what what happens when a whole production crew not only takes over house, but rents another house on the street, and what it means when they uh, just completely take over your neighborhood. We can put the link in there to this this story. I just found it very interesting, sort of behind the scenes look at what it looks like when uh someone takes over part of your part of your neighborhood to complete a show.
0: Yeah, so I was looking at the article that that you uh, sent me the link to. So, you, but I wasn't sure on this. So just to be clear, you, you, have you watched the Barbie Dreamhouse Challenge on HGTV? Oh, no, 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 <laughs> oh, <okay>. no, no. <laughs> um, I don't know. Sort a... of interesting. I feel like I'm a little bit of a weirdo because I was reading it and I got to where they said, oh, well, you know, they're promising all the people in the neighborhood. No, we're not going to leave it like this. Yeah. And, uh, and part of me thought, like, that's no fun. <laughs> you know, it's us Well, we, you can't have a, a buoyant house. I don't know. There, there's yeah. something in me like uh, my grandmother. They, they, they always turn wanted the, this
1: Yeah, they turn the, the painter
0: house bright red. You know, and it was like, yeah. yeah, let's do it.
1: No, no, no HOA well, in the world will, will allow that these days. Yeah, uh, but, but the, you know, this, this crew came in and turned this street upside down for for a few months, and then three months after they left, they put it all back and are now trying to sell the house for profit, which I guess they can because it was the it was the barbie dream house
0: but it no longer looks like the barbie dream house no they, they, they've just they've toned it all like, down they won't let us have any fun these housing associations <laughs> you know it's just all of these people in the world are like you can't have yeah. fun you can't you know. what if yeah. i wanted? what if i own a house i wanted to make it bright pink just because i i like it you know good,
1: good luck to the authorities good. and Good I luck getting that, that through listen, your HOA. Well, listen, know. this is the type of stuff we get when it's a slow news week. So what <laughs> yeah. uh, what, what caught your eye?
0: Yeah, we do have a couple of things. Um, a number of people were um, rather upset about a couple of uh, cancellations that were announced this week, particularly a league of their own. Um, they, Amazon, had, right around the same time, maybe it was the same day or maybe there was a day in between, um, also announced uh, the cancellation of the Peripheral. Mm. um which I wrote on the first season actually I didn't love it but I kind of wanted to see more um yeah. I think what, what what's striking about both of these it sucks for fans of the show but also in both instances they had renewed it and the announcement loves them rolling back their renewal and um they're trying to blame it on the strikes yeah Amazon is trying to blame it on the strikes I don't know that that makes sense. I don't think it makes sense personally. I mean, like mean, That's kind of, you know, convoluted logic, you know, they're saying like, yeah, Oh, but you know, by the time this is resolved, we're going to have other stuff and we're not going to be able to do this. And, you know, we're gonna have a log jam. It's like, really, you know, um, it's
1: just such an, such an easy scapegoat these days for networks to pull the plug on things like this. I mean, this is the same network that spent what half a bill on, on the lord of the rings show um you know they go all they went all over the world and have done five seasons of jack ryan i mean they, 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 this is amazon and jeff bezos they've got money to throw at this if they want the strike uh notwithstanding
0: yeah they've got money to throw at it and the timing is i mean both of these shows aired like over a year ago i think yeah. i'd have to double check the exact date on on, on uh, the peripheral have you have you watched either of these you check out a league of their own or?
1: I've not seen either of these. League of Thrones is one of my wife and I's favorite favorite movie of all time, but I've not caught either of these shows before.
0: Well, no, I mean, I don't know. A lot of people got really into a League of Their Own in particular. Yeah. I know there are also people out there who are really into The Peripheral and really, really loved it more than um, I did, and that's fair. You know, I thought it was kind of great at first, and then became unsure about it, as often happens you know, the sci-fi. This is based on a William Gibson book. So, William Gibson is sad. Come on, Amazon. How, how are you going <laughs> to bum out the great William Gibson um, by canceling the show based on the, you know, the book that you he wrote? He's a fan of the show. Just make, make it for William Gibson. Um, <laughs> we've been on the Jeopardy beat, so we'll hit this. Um, yeah. They've announced that uh, uh, Ken Jennings is going to host Celebrity Jeopardy, which I guess has usually been... Blossom. I was always thinking My right. Blossom. Right? <laughs> uh, Miami Alec. I, I guess I was reading, she's a member, I guess, of both unions. She's a member of both the WGA and the and. and oh, is that right? Okay.
1: Yeah. So she's doing um, this in solidarity, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think that technically speaking, maybe, maybe she could get away with it, you know. Um, because there's weird different rules for game shows and stuff like that. I am more mm-hmm. curious, and, and they haven't announced at all, who are the celebrities gonna be? Yeah, really. Um, you know, of course, even if all of our actors say, Hey, I'm not gonna do it, you know, I suppose they could fill the lineup with, you know, Shaquille O'Neal and stuff like that. And, yeah. And, um, we got plenty of
1: athletes and reality stars and tiktokers that they can they can pull in there to, to i don't know why i jumped make... to Shaq.
0: has Shaq ever been on celebrity jeopardy <laughs> i just want to see Shaq. i, I don't i
1: don't know man. i, don't I know want to that. see
0: look give me um here's what i want right we're in basketball mode right i i want them to take the tnt crew oh yeah and i want to just put all of them on the same episode of celebrity jeopardy <laughs> i think that would just be that's you, 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 that's you, you, how we go. You, Give us Chuck and Shaq and, and Kenny.
1: Um, you would have an instant instant uh, content to rival some uh, Sean Connery's Hi-Net Live Jeopardy, I think, in, in that circumstance. So I it'd think it'd, it'd be, be better better than that.
0: I think it'd be wonderful. Um, <laughs> they, uh, um, they announced a date for the revival of Frasier. It's been on my radar for a while. I don't know if it has been for everyone else. I guess that's coming October 12th. Um, Watched Frasier, ran. It's been a while since it was on. But... I've
1: I've seen most of Frasier. I can't say that I've um I'm a Frasier completionist, but love Cheers, obviously, and all that, and but, but not the entirety of of Frasier. Um, I, I know that Frasier had some hardcore hardcore fans, and and just people that love this this show. Just sort of curious your thoughts. With no obviously, his dad, as uh John Mahoney passed away a few years ago. Uh, David High Pierce is not returning for this. Just your thoughts on on how this will play without some key players in the show?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's more that David High High Pierce isn't returning. Apparently, that's yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. I need to Frazier without Niles. Um, yeah, I know. You know, uh, similar to you, probably. I've seen some Frazier. I've never binged all the Frasier. I've known people who are really into Frazier. I I dated a woman briefly who was like she only watched frasier it seemed like <laughs> you know i was like uh, okay But I mean, it's it's pretty good i kind of get it it's a, i think it's a comfort show for a lot of people um curious to see what they do with the revival i hope they have uh an idea that guarantees existence um you know i mean apparently we are going to get at least a little bit of roz i don't yeah. know exactly how much lilith but like okay there's going to be some you know legacy characters if you like Um so we'll see. I know Kelsey Kramer is big on this, and like I saw some quote where he referred to Fraser as his ministry, and I don't
1: know, I don't know anything about that (laughs) Now now he's back in Boston, right? This is not Seattle anymore. He's back in Boston, if I understand it.
0: Something like that.
1: Yeah, I'd have to double check the the details. I just I just skimmed through something fairly briefly. But
0: yeah, Fraser's coming. I mean, I'm curious to check it out, I guess. We get a lot of reboots, we get a lot of revivals. It's a mixed bag. Uh, in my opinion, uh, the other thing that caught uh, my eye that's been announced: this is going to premiere at the New York Film Festival, and then really no idea when it's going to be released. I think it's on going to be on Showtime. Uh, this new scripted it's a scripted series called The Curse from Nathan oh. Fielder and Benny Safdie. Uh, it's supposed to star Nathan Fielder and Emma Stone, and be like an HGTV spoof. You're mentioning hey HGTV through line sweet. Um, I don't know. I'm a fan of Nathan Fielder. I think we've talked about this before. You watched like the rehearsal, Nathan for yes. you, yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when you say HDTV spoof, and I'm not probably read as much about this as as you have, what, what what exactly do you mean by by that? I'm curious for sort of what the format of the show is going to be.
0: I don't know. I mean, I just read a little article, and that's all I have got. Um, my my understanding is that what that's what what's meant by this is that. Um it's going to be like they're a couple involved in one of these HGTV home renovation shows or something like that. Um and it goes wrong and the, the house is cursed or something. I this one got the thing that stood out to me is <laughs> they say it's scripted, so I don't mean that that
1: yeah, that that's essentially me is is this shows are not. I think when I've never seen a show because it's 100% scripted, there's a I skeleton. I certainly would not call scripted. the rehearsal
0: scripted. I would say, like, that that's wrong. You know, like, I don't know if uh, <laughs> maybe certain things were planned or what have you. I mean, it's, it's weird. And part of what I well, part of what I really enjoyed about the rehearsal is like how it really blurs the line between um, reality and fiction. So I don't know if this is going to be along similar lines to that or to what extent or different but i don't know I, i'm kind of excited for that it's coming down the pike
1: yeah if i uh, i'll just do a quick tangent into a if you want a funny 80s movie to watch along this same topic uh the money pit with tom hanks and, and shelly long about a house that seemingly cursed that's a great movie i used to watch when i was a kid so yeah i don't know
0: can... i was thinking about that as well I, the the, the <laughs> image that sticks in my mind is when he like he falls through the floor and got the rug around him <laughs> and he's ah! yeah. Uh,
1: yeah oh gosh okay well i'll check that out after the rehearsal i'll, I'll be checking out things that nathan fielder does so I'll, I'll certainly check in on that one
0: yeah absolutely i again i have no idea when the release might be a ways off but i guess yeah. it premiered at the, the new york film festival and <clears throat> so maybe not that far off i i mean i do think that some stuff that maybe they were gonna do a little bit later they're going to end up doing a little bit earlier because of the strike that that's one possibility so we'll see how all yeah. of this goes um but uh all right so uh, again yeah, moving forward uh I know you you're, you're on top of ahsoka right which comes out today
1: so uh, yeah we're we're recording um, this on Tuesday the 22nd and the night, um two episode premiere of ahsoka my I mentioned this to you earlier my Head is just swimming in in Star Wars background, and animated series, and and reading through synopses of books and comics and everything I can to get my head around who Ahsoka Tano is ahead of the the premiere tonight. Um, I, it, it's funny, and reading through this, I've also gone through some of the the things that um, Dave Filoni, the creator of this of this series, and the guy who wrote every episode has said um, he's pegging a lot on the future of Star Wars on this on this show that's coming out tonight. Um, he's d- doing it in, in a way where you know the things I've been watching to prepare for this are Star Wars Rebels, Tales of the Jedi, Clone Wars, all, all of these sort of background but still canon pieces of, of Star Wars lore. But he is hoping that this builds into a MCU esque. Avengers Endgame thing, where we can put all these people together from Ahsoka and Mandalorian and movies into this timeline, where it eventually culminates in some kind of big project. Um, so it a lot of it relies on how how well this show does. But Filoni's the George Lucas apprentice, um, so we'll we'll see. I have high hopes for it, and we'll uh, we'll be finding out tonight.
0: Yeah, cool. That's interesting. I'm sorry, Rosario Dawson's. Uh, playing in so I'm like like Rosario Dawson. Yes. I don't know, man. I'm total. You're you're talking about how you're immersed in Star Wars, and mm. over the past decade, I just kind of was like, yeah, maybe I'm not really into Star Wars. So, I, I i mean, where does this fit in in terms of the timeline? Is it like between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy, or
1: yes? So this takes place family? somewhere. Yeah, this is somewhere in the five to ten years after Return of the Jedi. Um, and so there are some things in the animated series that explain where Ahsoka was or why Ahsoka was not around during the events of that, that original trilogy, um, the, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. So Some of that will likely be explored, but this also is sort of a, a live versioned continuance of the animated Star Wars Rebels, which ended uh, a few years back. And so a lot of the characters that we'll see in this show tonight and supposedly the big bad as well that was teased in one of the trailers are all a continuation of what happened to these characters after the events of Star Wars Rebels, which happens just a couple of years before the the timeline of the original trilogy. So it kind of picks up on, on where these characters are after that. All right. So, well,
0: cool. I hope you enjoy it. I hope everyone in the world enjoys it, too. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that is, is and the...
1: The, that is the tip of the tip of the iceberg of all of of, uh, of what we have to uh, explore as we look into uh, Ahsoka. So I've been trying to immerse myself in it, and and uh, I'm I'm ready to. I think I have five episodes of of Rebels left, so I think I'm eighty episodes in or something like that, and ready to wrap those things up and and catch Ahsoka tonight.
0: Yeah, you got some Star Wars to binge. Hey, hitting hey, hey, on a lot of sci-fi. Um, invasion premieres tomorrow. And I'm writing on that, so that's something I've been watching. Uh, I dip back into the X-Files last night. You know, it was the 30th mm-hmm. anniversary of the X-Files in September. 30 years. you watch the X-Files? Did you watch it when you were younger? Or? I
1: have seen, I think I've seen the first two scenes of X-Files. That's another one, of my, probably my one of my wife's top three favorite shows. She loved that. She been, has binged that a couple of different times. Um, that's one I've I've got to move up higher on my list to go back and make sure that I that I completed
0: right on it's a mixed bag yeah. but I but i enjoy the mixed baggedness of it personally like i decided um, several years ago now uh that i was going to binge through all of it you know i guess it was before the revival was coming out or whatever so maybe it's been a little while um but, you know and like some of the episodes aren't very good and that's fine <laughs> you know, it's Like give me give me these 22 episode seasons yeah. you know and then you're going to have some cases a week that maybe don't land for you. I'm going to work through for the site. I'm going to write on the Darren Morgan episodes of the X-Files. So that's when I got started. I was watching Humbug last night, which is the first one you wrote. I'm um, do uh do Clyde Bruckman and Jose Chung. And uh, I don't know. He's got that quirky. I don't know if you're familiar with Ryan, but he's Darren Morgan's responsible for like some of the quirkiest. Um, this is the X Files, you might say. He like enters in in the second season, and then I think it really does kind of add this dimension of humor and levity to the X Files universe that maybe wouldn't have been there otherwise. So um, I'm a fan, so I'm going to work through that. um What else have we been watching? Hard Knocks. You, you checked on Hard Knocks again.
1: Yeah, I'm current. I'll probably uh, have to delay tonight so I can immerse uh, myself even further in in Star Wars history and more. But uh, but yeah, up on Hard Knocks, I found that to be to be episode two was good. I enjoyed episode one much more. Um, but there's some things that have happened in the New York Jets preseason that I believe starting tonight they'll start to touch on that should add some interesting layers of players that have signed players that have gotten hurt some things that have happened at the camp so interested to continue to check that out and I, I certainly will make time for it this week at some point
0: yeah yeah man I want to see that running background
1: yep yep exactly <laughs> indeed I want to
0: see Brees Hall <laughs> I want to see Dalvin Cook yeah show me um, Brees
1: Hall's reaction when he finds out the news that that's all I want to see yeah
0: he, he's probably happy Yeah right. But yeah, I mean, (laughs) it has been interesting. I know that uh, they kind of shoved it down their throats, as Aaron Rodgers said. But uh, he seems really chill. He seems to really be leaning into it, actually. Uh, And the whole attack he's taking with Zach Wilson is kind of really kind of interesting. And yeah, but.
1: (laughs) You know, I was going to say the, the Aaron Rodgers part of the thing, as you said, has been very, very chill, very different than maybe what we heard about Aaron Rodgers uh, prior to Hard Knocks and about some of the demands he makes, some of the things that he does. Um, so th- there, there's some conspiracy heads out there that said that Aaron Rodgers forced the Jets to sign Dalvin Cook because he knows him. He's played against him two times a year for the past four years. Um, he doesn't. Know or trust this guy, Brees Hall, who's an injured running back. Um, so I don't know. We're seeing a different Aaron Rodgers than, you know, has been portrayed. It's, it's been interesting to sort of see that that, that sort of duality of, of his character.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much of a conspiracy it is. Like, Rodgers took a salary cut. Why does he take <laughs> a salary cut? Go <laughs> sign other players with that money. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. I, I think – I actually think it'd be totally reasonable. He was like, "How about this guy Dalvin Cook,
1: who's out there?" You know, yeah. Um, Ooh, this is the way that it works. Actually, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's that's fine. Is the more interesting thing to me maybe is the extent to which I've started to feel like all of this stuff. I'm getting invested in the um, Zach Wilson uh, redemption arc. Like, I want a Zach Wilson redemption arc. You know, Rogers is out there saying like, "I'll play for a few good years," and you know, then Zach. Zach will take over for 15 more or whatever. Yeah. You know, finally <laughs> like, really, you yeah. know. Because I mean the guy was, you gotta feel somewhat bad for him. He was, he was, he was, he was virtually getting booed out of town last yep. year. You know? Yep. Um, but they kept him around. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. If somehow he can ultimately turn it around and take over the reins from Aaron Rodgers in a couple of years and become a good NFL quarterback, it'd be a great story. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. It'd be a great Spe-
1: story. Speaking of great stories, if you're just bored tonight, and you're falling asleep. Just uh, Google some of the news in the past twelve months with Zach Wilson and his shenanigans, um, some of his extracurricular activities, shall we say, and you'll you'll, you'll be <laughs> quite amused.
0: Yeah, no, I think I know what you're referring to, but yeah, you know, I don't know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but uh, besides being good for the one share of Zach Wilson I have on a dynasty roster, was sitting there. <laughs> um, I'd uh, i really like to see it. It'd be a be a good story. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, so should we move towards winning time?
1: Yeah, let's transition from football to to basketball and get just some winning time.
0: Yeah. Apologies for anyone who doesn't you know like all the sports. It won't always be <laughs> like this. <laughs> we, yeah. <laughs> probably. Um, but okay. So we're gonna in dig into winning time, season two, episode three. Uh, as per usual, we'll take a quick little break in between. This and that. Do be aware that on the other side of that break, as we talk about winning time, uh, uh, there will be spoilers. We're going to talk about what happened in the episode. We're going to, you know, dig into things a bit, you know. So if you if you haven't seen it, you can listen anyway if you want to, but be aware of that. We're going to talk about what happened in this past Sunday's episode of Winning Time. You maybe also, you know, hit on some of the stuff we know about the NBA history and so on and so forth. So that's what you're getting into. Um. All right. So we'll take. 10 seconds or so, but, uh, Netflix.
1: Okay, we are back, ready to talk about Winning Time, Season 2, Episode 3 and Cameron's already given us our spoiler spoiler warning for that, talking about uh, this season, last season, and the NBA history surrounding this uh, this story, primarily of this. We're now in the off season of the 1980-1981 season. Um, you know, we talked about just right before the break here about, you know, the amount of football and basketball we're talking about. There's actually not much basketball in this episode. Uh, it's much more of the behind-the-scenes, off-season turmoil, Uh, This episode focuses on the tension that's rising after the Lakers' embarrassing loss in the 1981 playoffs, tension between Paul Westhead and Pat Riley, those coaches versus Jerry Buss and the management. There's still lingering resentment between Magic Johnson and Norm Nixon. Uh, Jerry and Jeannie Buss are at odds about how to run things and who's in charge of certain aspects of the business. And then all the while, the Lakers um, had to watch the Celtics win the 1981 NBA Finals and sort of suffer the, the quiet embarrassment of seeing those rivals take home the trophy that they thought would be theirs. And then we look at, in this episode, the backstory of Mr. Larry Bird and his family from French Lake, Indiana, and what happened right before and right after he joined the the Celtics. So with that background, Cameron, what uh, sort of general thoughts on this episode?
0: Yeah, um, first of all, I, I love the scene where they're, where they're watching the, uh, the Celtics celebrate you know, Magic and Jerry Bus And Jerry Buss is like lounging in his underwear and a robe. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's just a great vibe. Um I don't want anything
1: to be more real in that show than that. Than that yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Uh Yeah, it's just like the cigar smoke is coming out of the screens at them and so on and <laughs> so forth. Um, I thought that was great. Uh I also really enjoyed the bit where Jerry Buss is like um interrogating a round of people and they like cut between um different figures i thought that was really um really really well well done here um we did get some basketball with uh jerry uh, i'm sorry with uh larry bird uh playing in jeans which you know we're we're going to talk about fact checking a couple of things here i forgot to fact check this i realized i trusted the show the show told us that that it was true right they like not only yeah. did they have him come on the court wearing jeans and a flannel, they put up a little cry on thing like, Yes, he really wore jeans. Um, <laughs> do you know that that's true? Or I mean, because it could be like a Fargo thing, right? Do you know that he really wore jeans?
1: I mean, I've heard that before. Um, that you know, Larry Burr gets convinced to come to Indiana State, he shows up to a practice, his first practice in jeans, goes out there and it just sort of drops on everybody's head like he would, you know, for the rest of his career. So I've heard that story before, but, you know, I don't have any way to dispute it. Yeah. And if they're telling me that it's real, I mean, uh, I guess they've done their their homework there.
0: Yeah, I guess. But again, it's it's a fictional show. And yeah. uh, I mean, I believe it. I think maybe it could be apocryphal. Maybe it's been one of these things that's just been out there. Like everyone yeah. accepts. No one. Larry Bird has no interest in disputing it. You know, he's like, yeah, that fits you. Yeah. That fits my my image. Yes, I went out there wearing. uh right. I was wearing boots too, you know, whatever. You know, they started yeah. sort of ramping it up. But you know, I mentioned Fargo because the, that's infamous in my mind. You, the beginning of Fargo, the movies, as like, mm-hmm. this is based on you know real events and all of that. And
1: right.
0: No, you know, it's like actually <laughs> they sucked in that's part of the fictional frame so yeah but yeah okay we'll go ahead and believe that jerry uh, i'm sorry not jerry we'll go ahead and believe that uh larry bird uh uh white jeans what did you think of the rest of how they portrayed um larry bird because we get a little bit with his dad joe bird um mm-hmm. i don't know how how did all that work for you
1: yeah, I went and did some reading on this after that episode aired, just sort of see what, what Larry Bird had to say, not about this particular episode, but just about his his history. And as you might expect, he's very much a closed book about this, very much doesn't like to talk about it. Very much said that I think his quote that he gave to a reporter 15 or 20 years later was, I thought I handled my dad's suicide well. Right. So it's just sort of not not giving too much about um this this story. So r- really this this whole thing that happens where uh bird leaves university of indiana comes back home meets with his dad his dad uh sort of reads him the the right act on how you know, he's wasting his talent by not not pursuing basketball um eventually reluctantly gets gets recruited by a scout to come to indiana state and then we see this uh this this final scene of the episode, where um, Joe Bird, Larry Bird's father, has committed suicide. Now that is true. He did um, he did uh, commit suicide with a shotgun, and we don't know that. You know, Larry Bird walked in and saw this, and the police called him over there. We don't know any of those those details, but it was pretty sobering me to me to see this, and also sort of see how it may frame the person that we know as Larry Bird. How penetrating he is how motivated he is how much of a guy he's just going to come out and destroy you because i mean he's got these things in him that he needs to get out but he's not good at expressing them verbally he's not good at expressing them emotionally so he expresses them on the basketball court and so he sort of became this guy who will just just do everything he can to put you in the ground um after suffering i mean this was not the first or, I think traumatic thing that he had in his childhood. The parents separated. It was a bad situation. He had younger brothers and sisters, right? So, but it really did do a good job to me for framing who Larry Bird is and helping me understand the person, the basketball player that I've known for so many years.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, I thought it was really. I didn't know, I guess, about Joe Bird's suicide before watching this. I don't. know. I feel like I know a lot of things, but I, apparently, I didn't, I didn't really know about that. But yeah, I mean, um, at least the event itself occurred, right? Um, I think I want to focus on the extent to which I agree. I think I think they, they do a good job of um, kind of employing the show to deepen Larry Bird's character and sort of where he's coming from. Um, and to think about the real life Larry Bird, but also the the portrayal of Larry Bird in the show, which to this point has been... I think it's fair to say that mostly the show portrays him as an asshole. Yep. But, yeah. but but here <laughs> I mean they had there've been maybe some some prior moments that were sympathetic also. But this kind of, you know, lays into that uh, a bit more and I really appreciated that. Um also the scene where um Red comes to talk to him uh to get him to agree to come to the Celtics because apparently he wants to go back to Indiana state. Um yeah. Wants to win a college championship, which is that's fascinating too, you know, because yeah. IU IU has a storied basketball history, right? Indiana State, not so much, man.
1: Right. You know. <laughs> um Yeah, that that's something they didn't explore was what were his motivations to actually go to that specific school. Obviously, as you said, Indiana won titles at Bob night before Larry Bird's time. They won titles with Isaiah Thomas after Larry Bird's time. So I don't understand or know much about Bird's motivations to go to Indiana State beyond this scout, just pestering him every day.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, I, I don't know either. That'd be something might be interesting to um, look into a little bit more. I, I only kind of have what the show gives us here. And... Maybe you know. Maybe everything is kind of speculation anyway at, at this level. You know, like with all of this, we know the facts. We know that like he went out IU, he dropped out. you know, probably committed suicide. He went to Indiana State, um, which again, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not an expert in college basketball history, but certainly I can't think of another time when Indiana State was that competitive.
1: So, however, no, he got oh, it. C- no c- certainly not, c- certainly not, yeah. and it was all Larry Bird. It was, it was all, Larry all Larry Bird. Bird. Yeah, so yeah. And, and I think at this point it's also worth I- explaining. I saw some just some chatter on social media and other places about needing um, an explanation of Larry Bird's situation. Larry Bird was drafted number six overall in ni- in the summer of nineteen seventy-eight by, by the Celtics. He told them at that time he wanted to go back to school and try to win a championship. He did do that. He went back to school, made it to the championship game, lost to Magic Johnson and Michigan State. And So then it was a sense of if he did not sign with the Celtics before that draft in 1979 happened, then his draft rights would have gone right back into the pool and whoever had the number one, two, three, four pick would have selected him. So that's why we see Red Auerbach there trying to convince him to sign with the Celtics before that draft in 1979 happens. So the Celtics would own his rights, even though he went back to school for another year.
0: Yeah, it's a weird quirk of um, how the whole draft situation works and
1: um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for
0: explaining that. People appreciate it. I know in Hawk's article we put out, you know, he kind of glossed over this, and I thought that's fine. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. probably <laughs> for a lot of people you just like gloss over it, but you know, people yeah. are curious. Um, you make me realize something that I'm not sure that I know, which is, um, would it would it potentially could the same kind of thing potentially happen now? Is it like, is it that it just doesn't happen or No, I believe
1: I believe both in the NBA and NFL now there is a declaration date um, that you must decide I'm going to be in the draft and therefore forego my eligibility in the NCAA after this date. So you can declare your intention. And if you either A cross that date or B hire an agent, then you've lost your NCAA eligibility. So they sort of changed that rule to where you couldn't get drafted and then go back in to the pool the only place where that can happen now is if you come out of high school as a baseball draftee, you can decide no I don't like my spot I'm going to college instead and re-enter the d- baseball draft after three years of college
0: interesting yeah, yeah. I and mean, lots of shifts on drafts and um, yeah <laughs> you know, in the in the NFL too you know I mean of course certain things have happened when you've got, you've got big game players who get drafted at number one. They say, well, I'm not going to play for the San Diego. Giants. Exactly. Exactly. You know, things are, they, they kind of, I think, wrinkled out a lot of, or, you know, ironed out a lot of these um, wrinkles that can cause, I mean, man, can you imagine how upset Red Harbach would be? Oh, would yeah. have been <laughs> <laughs> if, if Larry Bird had not. Yeah, you know, and not if you know, he goes and visited personally, I, I mean, we don't
1: know obviously that you know what entailed in that what was entailed in that conversation, but if that's close to what he said, I mean, he's right, Boston working class, our workers would respect who you are, um, you, you know. Hands are dirty type the type of folks, and just really want somebody to come in and and not mess around and get things done. You did a good job selling him on on Boston if you wanted him to sign before that before that next draft.
0: Yeah, and I think maybe, maybe that feeds into some of the stuff we were talking about with the college situation. Or this is the implication, at least you know that almost because IU has that history, and yeah. because he went there and it felt like so much like a college like like that was almost too um what too polished too yeah. elitist or something for Larry yeah. Bird I think this is the implication but then when it's Indiana State it who has like no history yeah. we just like you can come in here <laughs> and I mean it it suggests I think all of this that Larry Bird found real motivation in the idea of being the underdog or something like that, yeah.
1: you know. Yeah, and so. so interesting. I, I, I think I think, I think, to know. I think it's, that's a great point. That that's a really great point. That, you know, what does it mean if you're just the next guy at Indiana to take the team to a championship? Right. There have been a bunch of guys who have done that. There'll be a bunch of guys who will do that. Um, Indiana State, like I said, have we heard from them since 1979? You know, I don't. You know, they. I'm sure they've made the the tournament, but they've not done anything. Uh, anything really worth mentioning. So I am not sure that, they yeah, made the turn. Yeah. We can
0: double check, but I am not <laughs> no. sure that they have. <laughs> um, but 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 yeah, so but then thinking about the, the scene with Red, that he, he seems to get that. Again, it's a fictional portrayal, but precisely the things that he says to Larry in that scene are hitting on on this front, you know. Not not just the working class stuff that you mentioned, but also um building a franchise around. The kind of player that Larry Bird is, no one does that. You know, we'll be the first to do that, it, building it around that. Up. What is, is yeah, what term does he use the term wingman or something? Say that again. Does he does he use the term wingman or something like this? Oh, something on the terminology
1: but, felt damaged. so yeah, Red Arbach keeps talking about Larry Bird as a corner man. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, until recently actually, you know, the NBA was always a guards and centers league. You know, fours were just there to play defense, you know, get some steals, um, score when they're open. But it's, you know, guards and centers run the league. And so this was the thinking behind let's turn, make sure Magic Johnson is a point guard, even though he's six foot nine. And here comes Larry Bird, who can do everything, but he's essentially a, you know, six foot eight, six foot nine small forward. Um, And so where do you put him? You know, he's not really. Fast enough, athletic enough to run point guard. He's not big enough to play center, and so teams just weren't built around forwards at that time. You know, this is pre, obviously pre Kevin Durant and and Kevin Garnett and the you know these these guys. um And so this was sort of the first time that he said, you know what, I have the best in the world, so I'm going to build my team around that.
0: Well, cool. yeah, no, I mean, I knew what he was talking about. I guess I, I just, I'm not sure that I had heard the term corner man. Yeah, before I feel, <laughs> that feels like it's an outmoded. Yeah. It, um,
1: it was just a derogatory term for a a, a wingman that we might call today. That uh, they just they didn't care about him basically at that point.
0: Yeah, right. I said wingman. I, I couldn't even remember they said corner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, good. So there's a lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of just uh, focusing on tensions in this episode. We have the um, whole ongoing tension between magic and norm. Um... And that scene where Jerry Buss invites Norm over to his house and then it turns out Magic is there. Again, I don't know <laughs> if this really happened. I don't know <laughs> if it's known whether it really happened. Um, I know that Hawk, who's writing on the show for the site, uh, expressed that he really hated Magic in this episode and in that scene in particular. Um, did you, did you feel like he was kind of, he's like prancing around eating celery and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to sort of equate it to something that i'm spending a lot of time with right now if if jerry buss was emperor palpatine you had magic johnson walk around like darth vader just sort of imposing himself on norm nixon during that entire brunch right that he's just sort of he's he's been i think railroaded norm nixon has by this this meeting not understanding what it's going to be about uh magic's aware obviously now of the $25 $25 million contract he's been given, which we should talk about in a minute. And then yeah, I think Norm Nixon's just coming to realization that I gotta understand my place on this team or I'm not gonna be on this team anymore. We know that he's last another two seasons with the Lakers, but this is sort of the hey, guess what? Norm Magic is my guy. You better get in line and shut your mouth um uh, to the press, especially if you're gonna if you're gonna stick around here.
0: Yeah. Did you feel like Magic was being, you know, like unduly cocky or arrogant? It actually didn't really land that way for me personally.
1: It, it sort of landed as I know that I'm the guy now, but maybe not. I, I didn't take it as over the top arrogant or cocky or anything.
0: Yeah, I wonder. Maybe because we 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 know this is Magic Johnson. <laughs> he could be <laughs> he You do whatever you want. Yeah, uh, you know. But we know that he will show out that he had, almost has a right to be um, cocky and arrogant, prideful or whatever. If he is, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean. Um, so yeah, you want to talk about the contract. Apparently this is true. 25 years, 25 million dollars in yes. 1981.
1: This is true. This actually happened. This uh, obviously at the time when people were making, you know, 80, 90,000 sometimes to to be a player in the league, you know, the the greatest of the greats were making 2 million dollars as was that's what Jabbar's salary was at this time to give someone a 25 year, 25 million contract. It it, it is what Buss said it was. It is a commitment to play here forever but also commitment to be a laker and be a part of this organization forever um so yes this happened um but looking back on it and sort of with a 2023 lens might not be as bad as as people might have thought it was or reported that it was back in
0: 1981 not bad yeah yeah, you, you you're talking about comparing it to current salaries yeah, yeah. If you just yeah. look at
1: it from an inflationary perspective, that's about $80 million, $90 million in today's money. And, you know, you got guys like Jock Landale getting a $50 million contract with the NBA this year. Nobody's ever heard of Jock Landale. So, I mean, it's just not what not, not the that recent, bad. What
0: uh, was the very recent Celtics contract? What was the uh, um, – sorry, yeah, Jalen. Brown got, got to oh, Yeah, Jalen Brown made it like 300 plus million dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, you know, I'll just throw this in there. You know, encountering there were people in the world who, like, I don't know, express that kind of negative view about these big athlete salaries. Um, and I just want to say, I don't share that disposition. Get your money. Yeah. Get <laughs> yeah. your money. Come on. Get, man. get what, you, get what get you're worth. Get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> It's not like that money is going from nowhere. You know, I mean, like if you want to start, if you want to start like saying, oh, but that money could fund social programs or something like that, it's like, okay, well, maybe but yeah. tax the NBA as a whole more or something. We'd have to get that go yeah. because they're getting their, you know, the players are getting their cut of the billions and billions of dollars of revenue. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And so, like, if it's not going to the players and one of the owners or whatever here, you know, so yeah, pay them. Your money Come
1: on. So, so to your point, Jalen Brown just signed a five-year, three hundred and three million dollar contract with the Celtics. So imagine signing Jalen Brown to three hundred three million, or signing Magic Johnson for ninety million. I mean, it's just sort of it looks like a steal when you when you uh, have the hindsight of, of forty years of of NBA history and contracts to look back on.
0: Yeah, but I think it just goes to show too that it's not just a matter of inflation, but it's a matter of the popularity of the league. And exactly. then, uh, a matter of the amount of money that they're that they're taking in overall and uh and how much that has grown in the past in the past 40 years, right? Um which of course that's always been presented as like part of this story. If we think back to the very beginning of Winning Time, the TV show yeah. where we started, you know, you remember like Jerry Bus, you know, saying like why why can't basketball be sexy, you know? No. <laughs> like why, why can't we get this sport to be that kind of yeah. thing that's hit that people are into you know let's get the uh let's get the Laker girls going that whole thing I guess they haven't quite um returned to that thread so much but that there's a novelty to what the Lakers are doing here in the early 80s not yeah. just in terms of how they're playing the game and all of that but yeah. the whole idea of this is a show you know i think yeah. that's part of why there's sort a of showtime lakers because it's like it's not just that they were really good but it was like we're gonna go we're gonna put on a show for you
1: you know yeah and, and uh, let's not forget we're not we're not actually going to get pat riley in the showtime lakers until sometime in the next basketball season we're not even yeah. to the showtime late lakers yet which again surprised me when i saw i went back to check um after sunday's episode and I was thinking, because this was a relatively tight time frame that we focus on here. This is just a matter of like a few days, maybe in the off season of 1981. So, oh, is this a 10, 12 episode season? No, this is a seven episode season. So Correct. we're you know about to be at the halfway mark here. And if as we anticipated or as we predicted that we're going to get to the 1984 finals, we have a lot of ground to cover between between now and then.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's what they'll do. That's how they have set it up. Yeah. Um, I mean, if anything, uh, if anything, I'd expect them to go further than that. Like, I feel like we yeah. have to get at least in 1984, guys. We have to get at least to 1984. <laughs> and they kind of made that uh, cinematic promise in how yeah. episode one and uh, open. I was surprised when I first saw that it was seven episodes. Yeah. I mean, I guess I've done this the whole time. Um, maybe you did too, and it slipped your mind or something. But. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, why is it only seven episodes? I figure they must get the work done they want to get done in those seven episodes. I hope yeah. you know, and yeah. maybe this is a good time to lump in. Hopefully, they get a season three. Um, Jeff Perlman's out there. Uh, did you see his tweet where he said, "Like, since I'm uh, since I'm the only one who could pimp for winning time"? Did you see tweet?
1: <laughs> um, the tweet? He's out. Yeah, he's out there begging for viewers for the show right now. Yeah,
0: Jeff Roman would be if any listeners are aware, uh, he would be the guy who wrote the book that this show is based on. Right. Um, the, uh, the book is called Showtime. And yeah, I mean, I saw the tweet. Uh, he's really, he was saying um, tweet, you know, hashtag more winning time. And mm-hmm. he was saying he was going to pick uh, a few people to send an autographed book to. It was really Yeah.
1: And he, he said something to the fact that HBO really cares about the numbers and so I think we could imply from that that maybe the numbers aren't as good as they were in season one, which worries me a yeah. little bit.
0: Yeah, well, I, I did read that elsewhere also, that apparently the numbers are um, are not as good. Um, but, you know, they, they often get an interesting thing where they lag a bit and then they'll bring in the streaming mm-hmm. numbers later. And then I, I think that with season one... The numbers were lower when it premiered and then kicked up as it went along like the thing built momentum yeah. um for whatever reason i found myself wondering like did things like jerry west threatening a lawsuit help this show <laughs> yeah. so like can we make that happen can we get larry bird complaining about this episode <laughs> like maybe it'll help the show you know uh, <laughs> i don't care you know just but yeah we, people we need watching. to get
1: we're, we're about to get Pat Riley as a coach coming coming soon. So we need to get his thoughts on on uh, the Riley Westhead relationship uh, and maybe I that'll bring some buzz. I don't think he's spoken
0: to this show at all. No, no, no that no. would be fascinating. I, I want to hear what Pat Riley has to say about about yeah. this show. Like someone pester him. We're going to get coming <laughs> up here. We're, we're already getting some of it. You know, some yeah. of the um um tension that's leading to the schism between Pat Riley and Paul Westhead.
1: Yeah.
0: Which narratively speaking kind of sucks because I, you know, I didn't enjoy them as buddies, you know, like in yeah. season one and yeah. so Um, but we we sort of we know where that's going, you know. So when they portray that on screen, people need to pester Pat Riley just constantly. Like Pat, what do you think about this? Do you think this is fair? You know? Uh, do, you, do you think that it's fair the way that the show presented you? And I mean, and, and you know, yeah, you sure, bug Paul West had too. But I feel like Pat Riley's probably yeah. the bigger figure. If you can, yeah. if you can get him to speak to it at all,
1: <laughs> I, I think that's what this. Show, I think that's the little kick in the pants the show might need, at least in terms of viewership. I, I just have found this the, all three episodes to be great so far. But hey, if we need more, more, more viewers let's uh let's do what it takes to, to to get some eyeballs on it
0: yeah so i'm just spitballing ideas we can also we can, you can yes. go re-watch the show you know <laughs> tell your friends to watch the show talk about it yeah. on social media let's get some buzz going here because man it sure would be a shame presumably yeah. they do get to but hey the we're
1: we're, we're about to get into the best yeah we're about to get into the best parts of, the, of this yeah. whole rivalry of the team building of the team itself and the dynamics. As so we were you and I were talking off air, we don't even have Byron Scott and James Worthy yet. So we're about to get this real meat of this of this story coming up in the next season or two.
0: And that's got to come James Worthy and all of that. My expectation would be that comes in the next couple of episodes. I feel like we've got to get to nineteen eighty four by the end of the season. That seems clearly signposted as the plan. But man, what it, it would be such a shame if this series ended there, you know, um, w- without reminding people of what happens in the 1984 NBA Finals unnecessarily, it would be a bummer <laughs> kind of, if that was the end of the show. And um, so I, I do hope they get at least one more season. And as we've been talking about all of this and Magic's contract and all of that, I really want them to get circled back around to the early 90s, ultimately, and yes. when we started the series with magic and his uh, hiv diagnosis well at this point i really want to see all the i want to see all the stuff behind the scenes that we have in cotton in terms of how jerry bus reacts to that and what goes on organizationally in terms of handling that which was a
1: huge deal think, there's so much story to tell here there's so much built into this show being called the rise of a dynasty. You know, we can't have a dynasty if we've just seen the Lakers win one title. So there is so much good um, meat left on the bone here of this, of this story. Um, I, I just, I would hate to think that something would happen. This would only be the, this would be the last season. So yeah, whatever, tell, tell your friends, tell your family. Let's uh, I just, I think we both recommend this, this show going forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And apparently, go on x and post <laughs> an x about <laughs> how you want hashtag more winning time and like maybe Jeff perlman might, might send you a book so i guess yeah, I, I don't know, you know I, I don't know how long that contest lasts or, you know, um,
1: but as as i saw i didn't see that no day, idea i know no idea we we, we can't date Made it to the tournament 2000, 2001, and 2011. And in those three years, won one total game against University of Oklahoma. So there you go. There's their history.
0: Okay. Well, my apologies. I,
1: I, I was a little
0: too demeaning. That, I guess They <laughs> did, did a little bit better than, than, than I thought. I just don't recall seeing them no. in an the tourney and stuff like that. You know, and it's really down Um. But, cool, so anything else to hit on here with winning time season two, episode three no that
1: that's it for me i I think that it's pretty clear that the next episode is being telegraphed to be this what comes ahead between Paul Westhead and Pat Riley, how the next season goes um which in some ways is a successful one for Lakers. In some ways it's not. Um, but it's uh, the most interesting dynamic of the season and what's going to happen between these two coaches. So I'm excited to see how they portray that.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that immensely. And then talking about the timeline of the seven episodes, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they, like, maybe speed race through a couple of years almost. We'll, we'll see yeah. how it goes. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But cool. So we'll pick up uh, next week um, with episode... Or thanks for listening as always please do check out the website tvobsessive.com uh, you can follow us on Facebook, um, Instagram on Twitter or X if you so prefer I suppose um, uh, <laughs> I set up social media on Mastodon the other night so if you use Mastodon if you're one of those cool kids hey, who likes go. Mastodon you can find <laughs> stuff on there um, now, also, I encourage everyone to check out the YouTube channel. Um, please like, subscribe, uh, help us uh, get that going. Uh, the podcast and audio form is widely available. We're using a podcast on Podbean if you want to find it directly. Um, yeah, that's about it. You're Ryan?
1: Yeah, I really appreciate it. Uh, all the time you've you've uh, put in with me today, Cameron. I'm on X as well at Cable Box Score. Looking forward to this next episode next week. We'll be back back a uh, week from today, I believe. And, and until then, thanks so much, and we appreciate everyone being here with us.
0: All right, sounds good, Ryan. We'll see you next week.